0: We are going to finish our series this morning, we call it Relational Vampires, and we're talking about uh, people that suck the life out of you, okay, so we're not talking about real vampires, that's over and done, now we're into Christmas, because we passed Halloween, Halloween. so now we're straight up into Christmas, so there's no more vampires, but uh, we are doing relational vampires. And so that's what we're talking about. We're finishing this series up. If you want to go back, if you missed any of these, all of these, you can go back and track with the sermon Series online or on iTunes. Um, You can do that. We even have the notes if you want to uh, fill them in or uh, look over them. So if that's something you want to do, feel free to do that. So um, we're going to finish up this week. We're talking about a certain type of person that nobody likes. Um... Nobody wants to be, but uh, everybody agrees these people are everywhere. So nobody likes these people, nobody wants to be these people, but they're everywhere. And so somebody has to be these people, and there would be what we call hypocrites. Hypocrites. Um, a hypocrite comes from the Greek word, hypocrites. So it's basically just a Greek word brought into English. And this word means to be a stage actor. It's before the time of Christ. This was a word that they used for people that were actors on a stage. And the part of their their drama and production is that they wore a mask. So I brought my hypocrite mask. I'm a hypocrite. Chewbacca is a hypocrite. I could just preach the whole message with Chewbacca, but I don't think you would get much out of it because you'd be distracted by the hypocrite. Chewbacca. So uh, this was Olivia's costume for Halloween. She, I let her, she let me borrow her mask this morning. But this is a, a person that is one thing, but pretends to be something else. I'm actually this person. I'm going to pretend to put on. And if you're an actor on a stage, if you're trick-or-treating, that's no big deal, right? Um, funny thing with trick-or-treating is people usually put on scary masks, ugly masks. Uh, things like that, or if they're a little kid, they put on like superheroes or something. But usually, you know, the older kids they put on the scary mask, the old, weird looking stuff, and they really are covering up something a little bit more uh, uh, acceptable. Whereas, as a hypocrite, it's kind of the opposite. We put on a nice mask of how great we are, and we're covering up some stuff that we aren't very proud of or we don't really like. And that's usually how that goes. So, we're going to look at Um, this idea of of hypocritical people this morning, and we'll see what God might say to us as we we go through this. Jesus had no tolerance for hypocrisy. If you read in the Bible, Jesus was very accepting, very loving, uh, very uh, gracious to so many different people and and, and different things, but one thing he didn't have a tolerance for was hypocrisy. Jesus constantly would come against people that he believed were hypocrites. Um, And because hypocrites... Are uh, in many ways they're very uh, damaging to not only themselves but other people as well, and so Jesus would come against these people. Um, and he said in, in uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter twenty-three, and verse twenty-eight, said, "Outwardly, you know, the, these hypocritical people look righteous, but inwardly they're full of deadness. They're full of they're full of uh, unrighteousness, and that's what he would constantly come against the hypocrites of his day. Uh, it was the religious people wanting to present." This great image of themselves, but truly inside, they were nothing at all like what they had presenting. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Hypocrisy is a barricade. It's a barricade that we falsely erect to protect our image. Hypocrisy is a, is a barricade. So it blocks us from certain things. It's, it's a protection. A mask is kind of a... Uh, somewhat of a barricade. It covers my face. It keeps my face from being in contact with you. So hypocrisy is a way a barricade to protect our image. But this barricade of protection comes at a high cost. Um, I was thinking of this this morning as I was going through trying to clean up a little bit. We have a a hypocrisy curtain here where we try to make it look clean. When really they just shove everything behind the curtain. If you walk through there, there's a bunch of junk. But we put the curtain up and everything looks a little better, which is fine because this is a building. And you do that. Maybe you do that when you clean up your house. You've got your hypocrisy closet. You shove everything in the closet and everything looks clean. Right? Shove it all under your bed, whatever it may be. Um, It looks clean, but it's really a lot of trash and junk somewhere. Right? Um, But that's this barricade of protection. It comes at a high cost. This is what Jesus says, again, in Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Hypocrisy is a barricade. If you want to take these notes down, number one, it's it's a barricade that shuts out ourselves from fellowship with God. Jesus says in this passage of Scripture that you yourselves do not enter through this door to the kingdom of heaven. You've shut the door, and you don't have fellowship with God. Because of your hypocrisy, there's a barrier, there's a barricade. And you don't have fellowship with God. Number two, hypocrisy is a barricade that shuts out not only ourselves from God, but others from fellowship with God. So it shuts out others from fellowship with God. It says here, you don't enter, nor do you let anyone else enter the kingdom of heaven. Either. Now, think about this for a second. Think about this. Um, I was doing some study on this, and, and there's way more on this topic that can never be handled on a Sunday morning or at one teaching. So, uh, this will be a good thing to discuss on Tuesday. But um, we barricade others from the kingdom through our hypocrisy. Maybe not directly. Maybe not uh, overtly. No, you shouldn't be a Christian because I don't want you here. And maybe it, it maybe occasionally it comes across that way. But through our own hypocrisy, we push, put people at arm's length from wanting to know Christ. Mm-hmm. Ever heard that? Well, that's what a Christian is. Why would I want anything to do with that? If that's what church people are like, why would I want to go to church? Over and over, that's repeated in our culture today. The people, through their hypocrisy, have barricaded others from the kingdom of heaven. Um, There's a book called Unchristian. It was written about 10 years ago. They did uh, statistical studies by the Barna Group. do a lot of surveys and things like that. And they were studying young people. And and at that point, it would have been probably that are millennials or or right on the border of my generation and millennials. Um, And they were asking them, you know, what are the big problems? What are the barriers for being a part of the church? And one of the Number one things, they listed seven, one of them was that Christians are hypocrites. Christians are hypocrites. 85% of people in this study about 10 years ago said that um, the people that aren't in church, they call them, you know, de church, unchurch people that aren't in church. Maybe they used to go to church, don't anymore. So, you know, 85% of pe- those people said that Christians are hypocrites. Almost nine out of 10 people that aren't in church think Christians are hypocrites. That's a problem. Because if they're a relational vampire, who wants to hang out with hypocrites? Right? I don't want to hang out. You want to hang out? You know, so why go there? Right? They're just a bunch of hypocrites. This is a barrier that barricades others from the kingdom of heaven. And here's the funny thing. 50% half of young people that were in the church said Christians are hypocrites. So it wasn't too much better. To even half the people that are in the church. Yeah, they're all you know, a bunch of hypocrites too. And I'm, I guess I'm here too. So. Um, but, you know, to be fair, there's hypocrisy. And even this study showed that people understand there's hypocrisy everywhere. It's nice. not just Christians. Well, let's be honest. There's hypocrisy everywhere. There's hypocrisy in our laws. There's hypocrisy in our systems of government. Of all sorts of ways. If you want to start looking, it's easy to find it because it's not just Christians. In fact, anywhere where you try to say this is how it should be, there's a target. Anytime you're throwing at a target, uh, when you don't hit the target, someone will say you're a hypocrite, Right? Hey, it should be this way. Okay, well, you didn't get that way, so you're a hypocrite, right? So there, anytime you're aiming at something, there's, there's an opportunity to be called a hypocrite. So it, it's, part of, it's fundamental to humanity, but uh, there's various types of hypocrites. We're going to look at that today. But, but the big idea here, no, the third thing, we'll put this down. Hypocrisy is a barricade that shuts out ourselves from fellowship with others as well. Here's the thing. When you wear a mask, people don't get to know you as who you really are. Oh, I thought I was talking to Chewbacca. No, uh, that's not what I look like, hopefully. Uh, so when we wear a mask all our lives, people don't really get to know who you really are. So you don't really have a deep fellowship with somebody else because you've always worn a mask. You've always said, this is how I'm presenting myself. And people have a relationship with your mask. They don't have a relationship with you. Um, in, a, in a very small sample, or just a, one example of this, um, Mike was telling me about how the group's going, Drew, and the, how... You guys are talking. And at first, this is normal human nature. We kind of shield ourselves. Okay, we're having this discussion. I don't know everybody here. But when someone opens up and puts down their mask, right, what happens is people also feel freedom to put down theirs. And all of a sudden, you have some more authenticity and some deeper relationship and deeper conversation and deeper connection with each other. Sometimes it takes one person to say, you know what, I'm going to put down my mask so that we can have a deeper relationship. I'm not going to have to pretend like I got it all together. And, and other people say, man, I got permission to do that too. And all of a sudden we have an authentic community where we can share and be real. And actually when we do that, we open all ourselves up to connection with God. Because God deals with us when we are, are real or authentic. So here we go. Let's let's keep on with this. There's a lot on here and I want to be able to get through it this morning. Um, how do you deal, how do you love with how do you love the hypocrites in your life? How do you deal with them? How do you love them? What, what's our response to hypocrites as we see them? You know, you may be thinking about somebody that's in the church. Maybe you grew up in a church where there was that guy that, it was like the big religious church guy, deacon in the church, but he was cheating on his wife, right? And everybody kind of knew it, but he didn't want to, you know, it was just a big thing. People see that stuff in the church, and he didn't want to repent. He was just kind of doing his own thing, and it's like, what in the world is going on with that? Or it could be you know, when you're in school, I remember as a, as a, as a teenager in school, people wear the WWJD bracelets. Mm-hmm. That was like a cool thing going on. And like, what would Jesus do? And it's like, you know, they're cussing you out with a WWJD, you know, like get up and like, that's interesting. And, and I had plenty of hypocrisy in my life as well as a teenager because I would go to youth group and I would raise my hands and praise the Lord. And I would come to school and be like, mm, you know, how can I, you know, not kind of present that image of myself, but something that will be maybe more acceptable in this crowd or that crowd. And, and so we've all seen it. We've all dealt with it. could be uh, you work for a boss. He's a Christian boss or whatever that may be. But everybody knows, man, the guy is shady. You know, the guy's business dealings are a little bit off. He's not honest. Um, no integrity. Everybody seems to know it, but what do you do about it? Um, I could go on and on. We, we have different examples we could point to. But what do we do uh, in those situations? What's our role? Should we just stand back? Should we pray for them? Should we respond? Um, should we, how do, how do we react? That's what we're going to look at. The first thing we want to think about, though, is what is causing this person to act that way? Because there's not, there's different types of hypocrites in a way. So so we're going to look at this. Maybe, number one, maybe they don't, what's causing Maybe they don't really know God. So there's a type of hypocrite in a way that they've taken on a role that somehow maybe they got they were just walking along and this crowd was going this way. Maybe they grew up in church and everybody's just kind of was going, they're still in church. And they never really met God. They never really have a relationship with him, but they just kind of always been on this little path here. Then everybody thinks they're a Christian, Christian. But they really don't have a genuine relationship with God. Maybe they've got the label, but they're not really on the team. They're wearing the jersey, but they're not a, a person that's made the team. Um there's many people that are in the church that maybe call themselves a Christian because that's where they've always been. Parents were a Christian. They weren't there. But they have never genuinely experienced the grace of God in their life. And so when they're a hypocrite, they're really doing it out of just being someone that's lost, that had falsely been put a label as a Christian. It wasn't really that they know this and they know that they're going to act this way, but they've never genuinely been touched by God in their life. The Bible says that, you know, and Jesus says in Matthew 7:21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father is in heaven. 1 John 2, 4, Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Not everybody who says that they are, they're a Christian is really a Christian. Though sometimes those hypocrites are people that just have falsely assumed that label with no real transformation in their life, no real connection to God, and um, that's why they do what they do. Um, number two, maybe, it, is they don't know any better. They don't know any better. Maybe this happens all the time. People new in the faith, starting to begin a relationship with God, and you know they don't know what the Bible says about this and that. Uh, I remember I was listening to one pastor talk about how he he got saved out of a party lifestyle, and he was his his buddy got saved, and they're like, oh man, it's great. Let's go get drunk to celebrate, you know. So it was like they didn't know. I didn't know that. I mean, it was just like, hey, that's what we do. You know, we didn't know any better. But they're excited, and that's what you do when you're excited. So. Um, and it took him a while to walk through that and understand, okay, that's not how we celebrate when we're walking with God, you know? And so some people do things out of, of immaturity. Some people do things because they just don't know yet. They haven't been taught. Um, and so a in that, I mean, so a person in that situation, they don't need to be corrected. They need to be instructed. You know, I think of it as a coach, I can't bust on my players if I've never told them what to do. You know, you can't come down hard on somebody. They don't even know what they're doing. Like, why aren't you doing her? And some coaches do that, and they never even told them what to do to start with. They don't even know what play we're running or what. But you're going to bust on them and yell at them. And they're like, good night. You know, I don't even know what I'm doing to start with, and now you're going to yell at me. No, I need to instruct. We need to instruct. That's the role of the, the body of Christ as we're growing in discipleship in our walk with God. I mean, we're instructed so we can grow. we got to be careful. We don't just come down and correct. I'm going to correct you and make you feel like trash when, I, you know, you may not even know what to start with. Um, so we got to understand why, why are they doing what they do. Um, one example of this would be the church in Corinth. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.1 says, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. This church in Corinth were a lot of new believers all at once that came to Christ, and they were really immature in their walk. And they still had a lot of problems, a lot of issues because of that. But Paul didn't just kick him to the curb. He had to instruct them constantly writing. That's why we have several letters to the church in Corinth saying, no, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. That's not right. And so he helps them in their, their walk. And number three, here's, here's the type of hypocrite we want to really kind of focus on today. Maybe they do know better, but they still disobey God. This, this is probably the most severe type of hypocrite. where somebody that really truly does know, but they just say, you know what, I don't really care. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And um, I, I don't know what type this guy was, but there was a—I well, was grew up in a church in Atlanta, and there was a guy that was singing in the choir and all the church plays. He was kind of his family was one of the families in the church, and he was an investment banker guy or something. I didn't understand. I was probably like 14. I don't know what in the world that was back then. But he was like, you know, supposed to be like this great guy, he had a nice house. Come over, bring the youth group over the house. But lo and behold, uh, this guy was actually taking people's money, saying he was investing it, and he was keeping it. And so that's that's illegal, by the way. That's, that's yeah. not me. Yeah. So uh, he was doing that. He got 20 years in, in federal prison. So when this was found out, he, was, he had stolen, built millions of dollars from people in the church, people outside the church, their family and friends, all while being a nice little church guy. So I don't know if he – I, I will not think he knew better because he presented a – I'm a squeaky clean Christian family guy – but he was stealing from people. Imagine if, if you're from the outside, you're like, what in the world? You know, what, is, what a poor reflection, right? right. But that, that, he does not represent Jesus. He represents broken humanity, right. right? He does not represent the gospel. He does not represent Jesus, but unfortunately people say that's what Christians are. Truly, that's just what people are, and, and uh, that's where we got to see it. But here, here's what can happen. Uh, 1 Peter 2.16 says, For you are free... Yet you are God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Here's what can happen. This is unfortunate. The grace of God, the Bible tells us, will cover our sins. We're free in Christ. We don't live under the bondage and the yoke of the law where we have have to earn our righteousness. Our righteousness is, is given to us through Jesus Christ. So as a result, there's forgiveness when we sin. But people then, and even back when... Early Christianity. Paul is, you know, Peter's writing this early church. People say, "Oh, if I'm forgiven, then I can do whatever I want." So if God's going to forgive me, then I will just do whatever I want. I may have told you about when I went to Poland on a mission trip. They're talking about how in the Catholic Church, uh, there, you know, there's certain things and there's just procedures. And you just go here to, to, you know, you say go through this process and then you're forgiven. So you go to confession and all this sort of stuff. And there's so much theft. There's no murder, but there's a lot of theft in Poland, in Warsaw, because people will just steal left and right, and then go to confession and say, oh, please forgive me, all right. So people are a bunch of thieves stealing from each other, but you can't murder because you don't get forgiven for that. So nobody <coughs> wants to kill anybody. You don't get any forgiveness for that. So we'll not do that, but since I can be forgiven, I'll just do whatever I want. So this is this is where hypocrisy creeps in, where we think the freedom in Christ that he gives us, the, the Grace and mercy then gives us permission just to live any old way we want. Just say, you know what, I'll just do whatever I want because God's going to forgive me anyway. And then we'll see, you know, hear people, oh, the Bible says don't judge. So you can't, you know, don't judge me, leave me alone, i can do whatever I want. God's going to forgive me. So we can slip into a spirit of hypocrisy based on the freedom in Christ. You might say, well, nobody's perfect, you're a sinner too, right? Who are you to judge? I mean, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know, I'm not hurting anybody. We start coming up with rationalizations. So we start to rationalize what we're doing. Oh, you know, it's not hurting anybody. It's not a big deal. God will forgive me. Um, it's only one time. You know, it's only this one thing. I'm not like I'm really like this person over here. And on and on we go to rationalize it. And then before long, we're justifying ourselves. Hey, this isn't even wrong. It's certainly not that big of a deal. That's even worse over there. You know, why are you pointing at me when you should be pointing at And we go through all this sort of mental gymnastics to get ourselves to a place where we feel comfortable living the way that we're living, doing what we're doing. When the Bible says no, that's that's actually sin. It could be maybe uh, different struggles people have, um, where they're trying to get freedom from this and then it's like, you know, I don't even want to battle this anymore, because I don't even matter. I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with it because it's not hurting anybody. Or it could be you know people that are very greedy. But then, you know what, hey, Bible, God bless me, you know, so God's, you know, he's here to bless people. And so I'm just, I, you know, I, I believe that, you know, God wants to bless people. So I am blessed. And I got all this stuff, but I don't help anybody. I don't feel any responsibility to the poor or anybody in need. But, um, you know, we can come up with a theology that justifies it. You can say, you know, I'm not, I don't have a problem with anger, criticism, whatever. You're not perfect anyway. Who are you to judge me? And on and on we go to, to justify what we're doing. But the Bible says, don't use your freedom as an excuse do what's wrong. So what do we do with these people that are in this third category? People that have experienced life transformation at some level. They've experienced the grace of God. They know what that is. They've um, they've, they've, they've received Christ in their life, but then they willfully disobey God. Is this none of our business? Judge not, lest you be judged. Is, is it our business? Should we be non-confrontational and just pray? Should we all in their group? You know, Hey, you got to stop. How do we do that? I'll say number one, and then we'll look at three things. But what we need to do is to be prayerful. Because this is not something we want to get wrong. We don't want to come lightly into other people's business, so to speak, and just wing it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to kind of come and, you know, I see this going on. I'm just going to kind of wing it here and see what happens. You know, we don't want to be just winging it. We want to be prayerful about our approach. Um, We want to... We're going to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? We're going to be spirit-led in these situations. Because if you do it messy, and you do it wrong in the wrong way, it can really blow up. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be careful about these things. And I'll say this as well. Not all hypocrisy has to be addressed by you. I mean. right? 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 So don't feel a personal obligation on every bit of hypocrisy you ever see that it has to be addressed by you. It could be somebody else that God's leading to do that. It doesn't have to be you. Okay. But there are times, the Bible talks about, where we are to step into those situations and to uh, lovingly confront, prayerfully confront um, those situations. Um, And so let's look at that just briefly as we wrap this up this morning. How do we prayerfully confront someone who is in hypocrisy, someone that says, I am a Christian, this is what I am, and uh, this is who I am, but they don't have their life aligned up with that. Um, Number one, we're going to pray, God, help me confront with a heart to restore. Help me confront with a heart to restore. If we're not going to confront with a heart to restore, then we should not confront anybody. There is no point to confront with a heart to rebuke, to be right and they're wrong. There's no point to that. The the point is to restore. It says this in Galatians 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Another translation says if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. We're a guide to help them on the right path. We're not there to be a judge, we're there to be a guide. This is important to how you view your role in this situation. I am not the judge. But a guy does have to have judgment. Because they have to make judgment. Where is the path? So we do have to operate with judgment. We do have to operate with some sense of awareness of what the Bible says. But I am not the ultimate judge of another person's life. But I can say the Bible says this. This is where you are. This is probably a better path. This is what God is saying. And so we come humbly. We come gently. We come with a heart to restore. Um, you, You think of them... You know, as a sheep that's wandered away, the shepherd will guide that sheep back to the path. The goal is not to be right. The goal is to help them be right with God. That's that's the overall goal. I don't want to come across because I'm right, you're wrong, but I want you to be right with God. I want you to have a, a close relationship with God, even as I am hoping and desiring for that in my own life. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced confrontation in your life or or, or careful restoration or... Maybe it's gone the other way. I, I've had other people try to help me along in my life as a, as I've walked with God and, and in other ways. Uh, I think about when I was a, a young pastor, 22, 23 years old. Um, had a, a pastor that I served under who was very, very interested in, in guiding me um, in his way. Um, and so he didn't come across all the time as... Um, a guide, but so often as a judge. Um, I think his maybe in a way he was trying to be a mentor. He was trying to be helpful, uh, but I never received what he had to say in my life to really help me get back on the path. It always just made me mad. And the, the point was, he come across. I remember one time specifically. He was he brought me in his office and said, "You know, I would never would have done that if I, you know, you're, I never would have done that." I'm thinking. Okay, another example of how you are perfect and I'm, you know, failure, and that's how I don't know if he knew he was coming across that way, but he always would come across. Hey, I never would have made that mistake, so let me just tell you, you know, you need to get it together. I remember one time he put me on probation or something because I, you know, I showed up late to the office or something. I mean, just one thing after another. You got to be on time for everything, and then he would, He would wheel in forty-five minutes late, and I remember because I was I was dumb back then. I still a little dumb, but I was like. Well you don't show up on time. <laughs> I told him I didn't like that one. So um, so uh, but over and over it was I'm gonna mentor you, but it wasn't with a guide and restoring and helping and I never received what he had to say. It didn't come through to my heart, it didn't get in there. I just it just fractured the relationship and, and it was it wasn't a very healthy one. And so I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Someone trying to come into your life and just it didn't connect, it didn't and it came across really judgy, really judgmental. But I want you to think about: it. Did you ever experience it the other way? Have you ex- experienced someone that really does care about you, mm-hmm. that pointed out something in your life, said, "Hey, you know what? I love you. I'm praying for you, but I just want to to see this, you know? And I care about you, and I'm for you. But you know, this is just something I want to bring up, you know? And, and you know, I just got laid on my heart. I had another guy who was not a pastor. It was when I went to Virginia, who was a special forces colonel. Um, this dude was—he was a man's man, and he somehow took an interest in me. Almost my father's age, but he would come and he'd take me to breakfast. He would share different things and just kind of mentor me in certain ways. And I'm a little bit older, I'm a little bit further along, but I'm still learning stuff and still figuring things out. And I remember one time he was just kind of encouraging me, challenging me in an area of my life, and he's like, "You know what? You're my pastor. You're my pastor, and I'm gonna—I'm gonna I'm follow you. But you know, this is just something I want." I'm like, dude, why am I this guy's pastor? He should be, you know, he's a spiritual guy. He's a, you know, all this great qualities in his life. But he's saying, man, you're my pastor. And I, I you know I'm, you know, we did ministry together and he was encouraging me, but he's also pointing out some things in my life. And I'm like, man, I'm going to oversee what he has to say because this guy cares about me and he's, he's for me. Uh, it's just a total different approach. The approach really matters when you're trying to see something in someone's life. We all have inconsistencies in our lives, but the way you come across really matters and your heart behind it matters. Mm-hmm. If you're there to restore and you care about the person, there's a much higher chance that they're going to receive what you have to say. Um, and so the goal and the approach are absolutely critical. So we pray, God, help me confront with a heart to restore. Number two, God, help me confront carefully. Carefully. Galatians 6.1, again, we'll look at that scripture. What it keeps going says, if someone's caught in a sin, you live by the Spirit, should restore that person gently. Then it says, but watch yourselves. You also may be tempted. Watch yourselves, you or you also may be tempted. We need to be careful because the moment we put ourselves in a posture to uh, bring about correction, uh, one who's um, bringing about instruction and all this, we have to be careful because we, we're making ourselves vulnerable to pride. Right. We're making ourselves vulnerable to pride. And what does the Bible say about pride? Pride comes before what? Destruction. It Destruction comes before a fall. So if we're not careful... When we start to do this, maybe not out of a good heart, we start pumping ourselves up a little bit. Hey, I see this in your life, David. You know, let me just kind of, you know, and maybe all of a sudden I, I forget that maybe David could tell me something in my life, too. So I start lifting myself above David and, you know, David, I'm going to tell you all the things. And maybe there's something I can learn from David. And all of a sudden I've created this. And David's like, maybe, maybe not. You know I mean? uh, not today. Not today. Maybe tomorrow. Um, but we need to be careful, though, because pride will come and it'll creep in. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Mm. Be careful that you don't fall. When we come to confront, we have to be careful that we don't fall, and maybe even into the same thing that that person is doing. So often, people come across and they're going to help you, but, man, for goodness gracious, they're dealing with the same thing themselves. Um, The moment we think we're better, that's the problem. We cannot come across thinking we're better. Because we open ourselves to the lies of the enemy that, oh, I'd never do that. You know, I'm not that ungodly. I'm, not, you know, i so far removed from me that I would never do something like that. And, and when we do that, we start making ourselves vulnerable. Um, we've seen it in the media. We've seen it on the news where there's a leader, prominent leader, whether it's a church leader or not, railing against some ill society or some sort of group of people, and then all of a sudden, lo and behold, they're in the same group. You know, all oh, these people, right, 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 and all of a sudden. In the secretness of their life, that's, that's them too. How in the world do we get so disconnected from, from that? It, it's, a, it's a very crazy dynamic. So we have to confront carefully. The Bible shows us the careful way to do it. Uh, it's in Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. We'll read through it. You can read through it on your own. Write that down if you want to. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. I will just go through five steps, A part uh, that it mentions. Step one says, if a brother who has sinned, a brother. So, a brother, it could be a sister. um, But, basically, that means somebody that is a believer. Somebody that is a Christian. So, we don't confront non-Christians because they're doing maybe what non-Christians would do, which is whatever they want to (laughs) do. And sometimes whatever they want to do is not good. Sometimes non-Christians do good things, but they're not living under the same law. They're not living under God's law. They're not trying to follow the Bible. So, why would you confront them? You know? Now, it doesn't mean that you can't go to them hey man you know when you're at work and someone's bugging you and you say something even if they're not a Christian you, you can say that but the same process now doesn't apply to, to that situation so when a brother's sin that's number one number two go to them okay that means we don't broadcast it on social media Twitter comments on Facebook do, do, do. can't believe this you know um, but we go to that person it's so important that when we, when we got a problem with somebody or we, someone's hurt us or we just see something that we go to them we don't go all around them and go this person yeah Mike, what do you think, Mike? Mike's doing this. Oh, we go to Mike. We say, Mike, man, what's up with this? I don't know. And Mike's like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then in that process, said, if, if they listen, then you want them over. You know, if, if that, that sometimes that's all it takes. Maybe it's a misunderstanding. Maybe it's some clarification. Maybe there really is a problem, but you can work it through. And then, and then the Bible says if they don't, and if this is something that's, that's a little more serious, you might want to bring another person who's also privy to the situation. All right. It also, kind of knows it's not just some random person from nowhere. But hey, I, I know Mike. I know. Let's let's go talk to him. You know, let's kind of work it through. See what maybe we're we'll missing something. Bring another angle. And so we we do that. And then the step four is if that doesn't work, if it is something of, of grave importance, Mike's really man. He's going off the deep end. We want to help him. We love him. Uh, sorry, to bring in this Mike. You know. Good. Exactly. You know you're good, <laughs> um, But then we bring up some sort of leadership in the church. Oh, you know, it doesn't have to be the pastor, but if there's a different leadership structure, some churches are really big. Main pastor probably would go. Maybe it's associate, or maybe it's they're part of the worship team. Maybe the worship leader, whatever. Maybe some sort of leadership uh, position. Hey, let's talk, and, and 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 on and on until step five. If you get to a point that person is just unwilling to listen, then you redefine the relationship. So doesn't mean you stop loving them, but you re- redefine it. Maybe this person, say someone says. I'm in adultery, but I don't care. And I'm a, well, you know, I do, I care, and I care about you, so I'm not going to be able to hang out with you like I used to. And we're not going to pretend like this is good. We're not going to pretend like this is right. We're not going to go on like this is, this is okay, like God's just okay with this. We're going to redefine this relationship. And so it says treat them like a pagan or a tax collector. And Jesus loved pagans and tax collectors, but um, we treat it as a different relationship. This is not a brother, this is somebody that's choosing to live other than what God wants. And we will accept them back the moment that they say, you know, I, I can't be doing this anymore. But we, we redefine the relationship. So we have to confront carefully. Finally, we want to pray this, that God, help me see when I'm a hypocrite. God, help me see when I'm a hypocrite. Jesus calls hypocrites blind fools because an aspect of, of being a hypocrite is inability to see it in ourselves. That's part of it. We can't see... What we look like. When you put a mask on, uh, you know, everybody else sees the mask. All I see is the inside of the mask, which looks totally different. I see out the mask holes here. I'm not seeing what it looks like. And, and hypocrisy is hard to spot in the mirror. It really is. Um, and so we have to be careful about it. A lot of times, um, the hypocrisy, that's, like I said earlier, we see it in other people, and we're railing against it, but it's really in our lives as well. So we want to pray, God, help me see when I'm the hypocrite. I heard a pastor talk about how he was going to this fundraiser to help this church, and they were at this kind of wealthy person's house, and they were doing this fundraiser thing or build a building or something like that, and they're all gathered in this beautiful house, big, you know, just ornate, had a uh, this garden in the middle kind of circling around there with a big fountain and all this sort of stuff. So they're gathered there, and they're talking, and they're doing the thing, and then the lady who's, I guess the wife who owned the house or whatever, she said, I just want to be sure that And the money we're raising for this church is not going to be used for for just you know frivolous things. And and, you know, and he was sitting thinking, is there like a punchline to this, or like we we just didn't see it? Like I can blow all this money here and all you know spend all this ornate stuff, but the moment I'm worried about the church, like spending on frivolous things. So it's sometimes the hypocrisy is hard to see in our own lives. We can see this in the story of of David and Bathsheba. Um, Dave, we've gone over this story before, but if you're not familiar with it, David was uh, king after God's heart. He began um, he to basically become a little bit lazy, and a little bit unmotivated, a little bit off track of where he needed to be. And then in the process of that, he got down a path of sin, lusting after a woman's his wife, takes her, commits adultery, has the husband killed. He tries to cover it up, starts going through all these sort of mechanisms, marries her eventually. And then there's a baby, all this sort. But he wants to present the Holy King David look to everybody. But God sends the prophet Nathan to him to say, you know what, hey, you were you are wrong. You're, you're living in, in sin. And he tells him this story about how there was a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had uh, a whole bunch of sheep, a whole bunch of lambs and all this stuff. And he was going to have a guest come to stay. And there was a little poor man, his neighbor, who had one little lamb that they cared about so much. It was like a pet. And rather than taking one of his sheep to be the dinner, he took the pet, the little lamb of the poor man, and killed it and offered it to his guests. And David, when he was hearing the story, was enraged. And he stood up and said, you know, this man needs to be killed. I mean, this man is, uh, you know, this is, this is heinous crime. We didn't kill this guy. He thought it was a real thing. You know, where's this guy? We're going to kill him. And then the prophet Nathan said, you know what? You are that man. That's you. So, all of his anger, all of his rage, really, was back on himself. He couldn't see it. And it took someone like Nathan to come and to confront him in a, in a very careful way and say, You know what, David, you are, you are the man. You're the hypocrite. You're the one that's too blind to see your own hypocrisy. This is uh, where we can become so condemning of others sometimes that we don't see the, the issues in our life. We have to be careful. Because we all have areas of inconsistency in our lives. And we've got to be careful. The Bible talks about the speck and the plank. we would be careful not to be a speck inspector. You ever met a speck inspector? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, yes, all of us have inconsistency in our lives. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be the person to go around and find the specks in other people's lives. And Jesus says there's a plank in our own eye in the process. Mm-hmm. We want to look at ourselves in the mirror and let the Holy Spirit deal with our own stuff. We're not to go around and find that little bit in Durrell. Durrell, man. There's little thing in your life. I'm going to just help you out with that. You know, we've got all this junk in our life. No, I mean, if there's, if there's issues, we need to learn how to do that by the Spirit. But the bottom line is we've got to let the Lord deal with our own stuff. We've got to be more willing. Say, God, show me where I'm a hypocrite. Show me where I'm off. You know, the one metaphor the Bible uses is calls a sheep. And sheep are prone to wander. Just like we all are. But just because a sheep has wandered doesn't make it a wolf. Remember that. When you see a brother or sister wandering, struggling, hurting, going through something. Just because they're wandering a bit does not make them a wolf. And God is is the good shepherd. He brings, he leaves the 99 and finds the one brings it back to the fold. And so we we want to be partners with the good shepherd. Coming along to guide people back to the path. And you know what? This is the way of life. This is what God has. This is where... This is where he wants you to be. Maybe you're here this morning, you've been hurt by hypocrisy. Um, Maybe you've been in a church situation. There's so many people, uh, like I said, they call them de-churched. I used to go to church. I don't anymore because usually, usually it's because of something that happened. Something hurt, somebody hurt me, somebody said something, something was difficult. I saw this. I didn't like that. That didn't seem right. And people have this story over and over and over again. And, and I would hope that our church could be a, a church that has open arms to the D church. People, you know what, I, I believe in God. I want to know him, but I don't know where I can do that in a healthy environment. In a place where people are not just judgmental and nitpicky and this and that, or, or just presenting something that they're not really at all. I don't, I don't want to be in that environment. No, nobody wants to be in that environment. So we have to be careful as a church that we don't become a church of hypocrites. That any hypocrisy in our own lives that we deal with it. Because we don't want to be that church people coming like, well, they said they are friendly but nobody talked to me. You know, they say that you know, they really care about reaching the community, but all they do is care about themselves. Um, we have to be careful about that as a church and as a people that we're looking inwardly into our own lives and letting God deal with our own hypocrisy. James five nineteen and 20. If one of you should wander from the truth, someone should bring that person back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. God's inviting us to be a part of that in people's lives as we prayerfully, in a spirit-led way, consider where that might be. If you would, we're going to just wrap it up. drills. and We'll play a little bit here. Um, let me just wrap this message up this morning. Just let God speak to us for a second before we just rush out and get something to eat um, and go on with our day, take a nap, whatever we got to do. Um, I think it's important to hear this and then let the Spirit, let it marinate in our soul for a second so we can respond. Um, There may be people that are in our lives that we see are very hypocritical and maybe that's caused us to kind of stiff arm God or stiff arm the church or just kind of keep it at arm's length and I, I would hate that to be a barrier for you. Me, for whoever to connect with God. Maybe you know people at work, that's their story. It's you know, hypocrites. I, I knew this, I had this happen to me. And and my prayer is that we could, as a church, be the person to present something different to that person. This is not, maybe that happened to you, but you know, that's not really, that doesn't represent Christians. That's not what they're all about. That doesn't represent Jesus. That's not what he's about. So maybe you'd be that person, kind of like a new fresh vision of what it is to be a Christian to that person in your life. Uh, maybe you're the person that's been hurt, and God can really speak to you this morning and say, you know what, come back to me, you know, um, reconnect, you know, get back on the path, because don't let what that person did keep you from what I have for your life. Don't let what you saw over there keep you from what I really want to do in you. Um, so as, as we prayerfully consider it, let's just kind of bow our heads and let's, let's pray together this morning. Lord, I pray that you will help us get this right. God, as we look at hypocrisy all around, from the government to society, to the church, to our own lives, God, help us to get these things right. Um, Lord, help us to, when there's situations that we see, to to tactfully, lovingly bring others back into the full. Um, God, help us to be a spirit, uh, help us to be People of restoration, not people of judgment. Or people that see those who are wandering not as uh, evil, terrible people, but people that need to be led back onto the path. God, we all are prone to wander. So Lord, help us to spend more time in the mirror, looking at our own lives, making sure that we line up with what you're saying in your word. And, and we don't spend so much time as a speck inspector looking at everybody else's little things. So God, this morning, we ask that you give us a pure heart, a heart of authenticity, a heart that loves you, God, a heart that is not covered up by a mask. But Lord, one that is open and honest. Give us relationships, God, that we can be open and honest in. Give us people that care about us enough that will maybe push past the mass that we put up sometimes and really dig deeper beyond it and care about us enough to see the true self that we are. God, we thank you that you love us. God, every, every flaw, every sin, every bit of us, Lord, you, you went to the cross knowing that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies of God, you died for us. You cared about us enough. So God, give us the heart that you have. Jesus, I pray, Lord, this, we go out in the community, we live our lives at work at home. Lord, help us to be who you want us to be each and every day. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.